0: Welcome to another Hotel Analyst podcast and this week we have a little bit of a special for you. Uh, My name is Chris Bowne, I'm the editor of Hotel Analyst and I've got together with Andrew Sankster, the editor or director of Hotel Analyst and we're joined by Simon Allison who is busy preparing the Gulf and Indian Ocean Hotel Investors Summit uh, happening shortly in Abu Dhabi so we're going to have a quick chat with Simon ahead of that. Over to you Andrew
1: thanks chris um simon welcome now you're sitting as we speak in dubai and the thing that struck me um about the whole gulf region is just how powerful the recovery has been but well, it's not just a recovery it's way beyond a recovery it's sort of it's breaking all records right now in terms of room rates and increasing the occupancy as well um perhaps you could describe just what's going on there
0: well, I think and thank you. Thank you, Andrew and Chris. I mean, I think the the first thing to say is, you know, Dubai especially, but, but the whole GCC opened relatively quickly into Covid. So they didn't have the lockdowns and the shutdowns that a lot of the rest of the world had. Uh, and secondly, of course, they're still open to to the Russian market which has been a big boost uh, with a lot of guests coming out uh, and also people coming to, to stay long-term. So a lot of the apartments are renting to, to Russian clients uh, at, at a big rate. Uh, the Abraham Accords also helped with a massive influx of Israelis. So basically the market's coming, except for China, the market's coming from everywhere. And without restrictions as well, it's been, it's been very powerful. Wow. So, uh, apart from, I
1: mean, China was only really a relatively minor par- part yep. of that market, yep. in any case, wasn't it? So, yes, um, yes, so far, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it's not just that uh, we're we're seeing this upsurge in uh, tourism. It's also this huge amount of money that's being talked about um, in terms of investment in tourism infrastructure, perhaps um less so in the uae although they're maintaining a, a decent level of uh investment but phenomenal levels uh, um in qatar but spectacularly so in the kingdom of saudi arabia i mean we're talking close to a trillion dollars they're talk to- they're spending um on tourism. Mean, th- i think the one project the neon project is half a trillion dollars alone it's just it's mind-boggling the investment levels
0: it, it, it is mind-boggling uh, the projects are, are all enormous i mean diria gate which is uh That The historic region of Riyadh is building, not all of them on site, but many of them on site, 36 hotels, of which the vast majority are super luxury. Uh, You've obviously got the enormous Red Sea project, and then you've got Neom, and then you've got others like Al-Ula. You've got new mountain destinations. You've got Cruise Saudi, which is building ports around Saudi Arabia for cruise ships. Uh, There really is a phenomenal amount going on. And of course the Kingdom has the ambition. It's got a fast growing population it needs to employ. It obviously is aware that the oil bonus won't last forever. Uh, It's a serious country in its own right. So as a big population, a lot, a lot that can be done, some stunning scenery. I mean, obviously, a lot of it is desert based, but there are some beautiful wadis. There are some lovely old forts. There's obviously the Red Sea coast, which is amazing. Uh, The ambition is for Riyadh to have, I think, 20 million people. So that's in due course, supposed to be one of the world's great cities. And of course, the money is still there to, to back all of this. So. Uh, the ambition is phenomenal. I mean, it is thousands of hotels. Uh, clearly, it isn't all going to happen overnight. I mean, the timelines are probably too ambitious. I think right. Derrygate will be built. It is the capital. It will be built relatively soon. Red Sea is very well managed and is coming up a pace as well. Uh, Neom is just so vast and obviously has 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 different things. It has the line, but it has mountains as well. Uh, that will take time. Because they had um, and, been talking about twenty thirty,
1: hadn't they? As it's a, it's a deadline. So yeah, so.
0: I, I, I suspect some of that will slip. Is the, is the honest truth. Um, but you do have other things going on as well. I mean, it's obviously, they, 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 Saudi is way ahead of everywhere else at this point. But yes, Qatar has built a vast amount of hotel stock uh, for the World Cup. And clearly, that is going to, to take some filling. So Qatar will be looking, I'm sure, at new tourism attractions. Ras al is putting in a 1,500-room win hotel and casino, which is the first casino in the GCC that will be interesting to see what that does for the entire local economy of Ras al-Khaimah you know there's the hyperlink being rumored between Dubai and Abu Dhabi there's Etihad rail which will link all of the Emirates and into Oman so it isn't just Saudi uh, but clearly Saudi is is by far the the, the giant in this uh, massive push for hotel infrastructure
1: they're also looking for external investors international investors I mean how, how big a portion do you think this is likely to be
0: you know, it's very, very hard to say. There has been remarkably little international investment into the region uh, at all, really. Uh, you know, Very few of the big funds have a presence. Brookfield does, but most of the other big funds are not really active. Obviously, some of them have now been flying to Saudi to have a look, and, and presumably some will at some point invest. Uh, it's always been a bit of a mystery to me why an area that really ticks a lot of the boxes, particularly with the world focused on resorts and luxury, And clearly, it is luxury resorts that are driving the results. It's a mystery why people haven't come in. I think it's partly the perception that locals have a very low cost of capital and a very long time horizon. And so, you know, opportunity funds that are expecting an 18% IRR and a five-year exit can't compete. That may or may not be true, but it certainly has a grain of truth in it. I think there's the unfamiliarity, the concern as to whether there really is a level playing field if you have a dispute with a local partner, which is perhaps a little unfair, but, but, but is still a lingering concern for people, I think. So, so that's another reason. But beyond that, I mean, when you look at where people are investing in resort product, uh, a lot of the most successful resort investment destinations are ones with ones with a very low political risk. So whether that's Niseko or whether it's you know Spain and Portugal or whether it's Florida or whether it's the Gold Coast, and that's been where a lot of the, the fund investment has gone lately. And at some point, you'd have to say there's probably going to be a reappraisal as laws are put in place and structures are put in place that actually you can do funds in this region. And actually, we've got a session saying, you know, is it time for hotel investment funds to be to be in the GCC? Right. I mean to be. Fair to the funds, I guess they've only really, over the last
1: few years, put their toe in the water in terms of the resort sector. It's taken them quite a while to get comfortable with the whole concept of it. So it's no surprise that they've stuck closer to home with their initial forays into the sector. Um, In terms of what we are seeing, though, in in terms of external parties coming in, of course, is the brands. They're sort of falling over themselves at the moment um, in in terms of gaining access to this market. Um, How uh clued in is um, the, the sort of investors as to what the brands are like um, in, in terms of signing up the management contracts and the franchises and so forth, would you say?
0: Well, I mean a lot of it's still under wraps but yeah, I think, I think certainly for the big Saudi projects they've been falling over themselves to, to, to get it signed and uh, certainly in some cases I think the terms haven't been very generous, certainly in terms of fees, uh, but it's obviously the market no one can miss. So, you know, for, for sure that's true. I think, I mean, it's interesting in Dubai, it's almost the opposite problem. You know, they're desperate for new, newcomers because every major brand has so much product here. Uh, and actually, I mean, people say, oh, it's a, a massive success. Certainly the three-star market and the business market is, is not, not in the same boat at all you know, along Sheikh Zayed Road into Dira, you know, downtown Abu Dhabi. If you're, if you're a mid-scale hotel reliant on mice or reliant on corporate, you're not having a great time. So there's a slight myth that the whole region's booming. It's not really true. There's been a lot of oversupply in the mid-scale sector. So, you know, it's, it's a slightly different dilemma. You know, every luxury brand wanted to be in Saudi. I think they nearly all are now. And I think some of them have been very competitive. But actually, if you're an owner in, in, in downtown Dubai, you're really looking for something new. And I think there's certainly opportunities for the Asian brands and the European brands to, to start coming in.
1: That's interesting because the received wisdom was that it was the luxury which was oversupplied and what the, se- what the whole region needed was far more in the mid-scale market. But you're actually saying that the mid-scale itself is not done that brilliantly um and it, again which is slightly surprising given the influx of say russians in there one would have thought that um they would be keen at least some portion of that market outside the oligarch um piece would be keener on the more value for money offers um so it's slightly surprising to me that the well, that the yeah. mid scale isn't Soaring I mean, look, well.
0: a, a lot of it, and look, I'm not talking about the last two or three months, I'm talking about the last two or three years. Right. Uh, a lot of the mid-stale markets got massively overbuilt. I mean, I'm sitting in a hotel in, right in the middle of, of, of Shakeside Road, and I think there are 5,000 competing rooms within a kilometre, either hotels or hotel apartments. So it's, it just went a bit bonkers. Uh, and it's not, I mean, they are doing badly compared to where they were five years ago, but it's that the luxury resorts have done so incredibly well I mean, hotels right. on the Palm, hotels on Sadiat, I mean, they've been achieving unbelievable rates. I mean, thousands of dollars of rate for, for rooms, not for, you know, luxury villas. So it's become very much a two-tier market, certainly in Dubai, a little bit in Abu Dhabi as well. Uh, Rack is more kind of mid-scale resort and they're doing pretty well. I mean, they're doing phenomenally well in terms of occupancy, uh, but yes, I mean, the, 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 one of the mythbusters of, of the COVID period was that luxury would hurt. Uh, You know, when there was a downturn, and actually the reverse has been true. The rich, as we all know, it's a kind of geopolitical discussion. The rich just keep getting richer at the moment. And for the last year, there hasn't really been a cap on what luxury hotels can charge, and that's not just true here; that's true all over the world. Yeah,
1: and and we've seen almost this new segment, super luxury, um, really coming out here. And I I was very taken at your last events uh, in Madrid, the Atlantic Ocean, in investor um, hotel investor summit. Um, 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 which I was there in in January and um, there was a couple of presentations, one from STR and one from HotStats and they both pulled out this notion of the super luxury and and said just how uh, absolutely phenomenal that growth performance had been over the last year or so um, and, and really highlighting Dubai in particular where that, that had just soared away um, and it, it does call into question whether you know there's, a, there's an opportunity for emergence or perhaps more of the super luxury brands which we're not really seeing actually from the global majors at the moment they're sticking with their existing um, luxury brands um, as is we're not seeing the the emergence of any new New brands, um, given that they seem to be, you know, generating a new brand every month. um Well, I'm, yeah. I'm quite. I mean, and look,
0: I, one of the problems is they have so many already. um You know, there, there are there are a few few new things. We're having a, a one session at Jeehis. We're having on the the high fashion brands. You know, what's going to happen with them? Are they really conferring an advantage? You know, I know there's more car companies, for example, thinking putting their their branding into a hotel. And I've always been slightly cynical about that because. There's not actually a lot of product in 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 common, Um, but you know you you can see that the 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 barriers to entry are not that big. So, yes, you're right, there may be more. Something that you will know, Andrew, but I think the hotel market really hasn't picked up at all, is the emergence of JP Morgan as the world's third largest travel company Mm -hmm. uh, after booking in Expedia. And that is based around the desire of their ultra-wealthy card-holding customers to use their loyalty points from their Chase cards, for example, um, for travel. and and that's what they want to spend it on is travel. So you're right, I mean more things will happen in the super luxury space. I think one of the problems is to create a new brand you need something unique about it. And one of the questions you have to pose is what's left to do? I mean, it
1: is to be even more luxurious, even more pampering, and even more exclusive. I guess is the is is the answer to that. But uh, uh, we'll we'll see how that that emerges. I mean, you know, make Oman look like a budget hotel. I guess is the is the ultimate ambition. Um, but in, in terms of the geographies, we've touched on obviously what's going on in the Gulf, but you're you're much wider with this event. Um, where, where are a couple of other areas where you're seeing some real um, change and development?
0: Yeah, I mean, as we sort of touched on, the the western side of the Indian Ocean had a a relatively good COVID, if you can call it that, uh, and and was open and and performing well. The eastern side obviously had a bit of a nightmare, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, etc., because first they were subject to very severe border restrictions and then lockdowns, and then the Chinese didn't come back. So they've had a very tough time and are fingers crossed, hoping the Chinese start traveling again soon and, and that will save their, their bacon. Uh, they're coming back anyway a little bit, uh, obviously you know, British tourists, Westerners love going to places like Thailand, so they're having an okay winter, but they're, they're not going to be really there without the Chinese market. In the middle, it's been a very mixed picture. You've had Sri Lanka, on the one hand, more or less going bust, uh, having having a nightmare. Uh, bits of East Africa have had a very, very tough COVID. Other bits have done well. The Maldives, which stayed relatively open, uh, has been uh, very much like Dubai, a stunning success story. Rates through the roof, despite new supply continually being added. Um, really repositioning I mean some of the resorts are doing double what they were doing four or five years ago in terms of rate Uh, Zanzibar has started to do incredibly well as well as an alternative uh, set to have another another excellent year so the Indian Ocean has been really really quite mixed. Just interestingly in in terms of that Chinese
1: piece is the expectation for that to suddenly surge back or is the like is the perception that's going to be more uh, sort of gradual easing back?
0: I, I don't think anybody knows you know, they uh, people were telling me out, out. I've just come come to Dubai from Thailand. People there were saying we hadn't budgeted for the Chinese this year. We thought it would be twenty twenty four, and then obviously with the, with the pressure on President Xi with the with the lockdown policy, you know, suddenly pr- producing an absolutely amazing vault face. I mean, they've they've gone from total lockdown to no lockdown overnight. Uh, people are now starting to be quite hopeful that it'll it'll all come fairly soon. But obviously, you need you know you need the, the airlines to start scheduling the flights again, so it doesn't happen overnight. But it is likely to be happening by the middle of the year, which will give the eastern half of the Indian Ocean a big
1: boost. In, in terms of the issues um, for owners in the region,
0: what what do you think is at the top of their list right now? I mean it's interesting you know I mean they don't have quite the same pressures that you say you see for example in Europe so energy costs obviously nothing like the same issue labor costs nothing like the same issue because there's still this enormous pool of labor in South Asia which is happy to come and work so you know they've had I think five percent increase in labor costs when the UK's had 30 in, in some departments so that's not nearly the same pressure uh, the war is a lot more remote for them and as I say they've got Russians and Ukrainians coming to, to stay so the job. Geop- Politics isn't such a big issue for them either, so none of those kind of inflation-linked, you know, PNL pressure points are having anything like the same impact. And as we say, most of the hotels are doing well. Um, I think they they are facing challenges that that everyone's facing in terms of the structure of the the relationship. You know, do we move to franchise? There's a lot more willingness to think about franchises here uh, from owners, either setting up their own white label operation within their company and and sometimes extending it out of their company. uh, And we've had a few members doing that or hiring white label operators. That has gone a lot quicker, I think, than than many of the brands had, had expected. And some brands are going with it quite happily and some are resisting it. Uh, so that structural side and all the questions that go with the owner operator split you know procurement questions uh, radius restriction questions and so on they are all um, they're all they're all part of the, the discussion in in terms of
1: the the, the Uh, the evolution of that owner um and operator relationship piece or owner brand relationship piece um would you say um it's as advanced as it is in the west or or is there still a little bit where the brands are perhaps um able to still exert undue pressure
0: Ah, it's you know it's it's a very mixed picture, you know, the, certainly the members we have, and we have about a dozen members out here, and it's obviously self-selecting who joins Hoftel, so to join you're going to be a little ahead of the pack in your thinking. And you know, people like Red Sea or Arinko with a lot of hotels here, or Dur in Saudi or Aldar, I mean, or Abu Dhabi National Hotels, these guys know what they're doing. Uh, they've got very professional teams of asset managers, and as I say, in some cases they're in operations. So, You know, there the brands, I think, have to be quite flexible, certainly brands piling into some of the Saudi developments have had to make some real concessions on fees uh, and indeed on some other terms as well. But obviously there are also a lot of individual owners here, family owners and, and private owners and owners linked to the royal families and so on who maybe aren't quite as aggressive. Uh, but you know i was talking to, to to one to one brand guy here and he was saying you know we're actually making a lot more concessions than than our team in europe would make so you know it's 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 very mixed picture indeed and and look it is i mean frankly it is all over the world i mean what we've seen when we survey our members is that the idea that the brands treat everyone the same is is for the birds i mean if you're a big powerful owner and you know what questions to ask you are treated remarkably differently from a new owner who's who's just you know doing their first hotel it, it's 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 night and day so there's a bit of divide and rule going on there well it's also I I mean look to some extent to be fair to the brands if you're a new owner they don't really know whether you can do it Are you going to pay fees? Are you going to pay your staff? Are you going to build to brand standard? Are you going to maintain to brand standard? They don't know. And let's be honest, there are lots of owners who don't. So the brands are inevitably coming up with much, much more stringent contracts, sometimes things we consider ludicrous, you know, know, virtually no budget vetoes, virtually no say in hiring the GM, very little say in procurement, ability to move most of the senior management out to another hotel. I mean, stuff that an experienced owner would never never dream of accepting. probably would never be offered either because the brand knows that they know what they're doing and they're professional and and so you know there is a there is a dichotomy as i say the idea that you know this is our standard management contract there's no such thing anymore Hmm. and if you're drawing up a list of complaints that let's talk about these experienced
1: owners um what 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 are the top one or two complaints you know um that these experienced owners have um, about the brands
0: i mean i would always have said it's transparency transparency and transparency (laughs) you know that the thing that bugs them most is the hidden charges the hidden procurement profits the the recharges for things that you would need a phd to have identified in any of the documents you ever sign that's been a big one but i have to say you know i think there's also an increasing acceptance that the brand that are the toughest and and the least flexible do also deliver the most room nights. Um, and, And one of the complaints that we heard more and more during COVID is that quite a few of the brands have slashed their regional support teams. And so, and that's that's actually stimulated some of the push to franchise, which is you know if I'm paying you to manage, but you know your team of twenty is now six people, and they're always too busy to return my calls. That I think has has not helped the brands. You know they've preserved their P&Ls for their public company shareholders, but they've in some cases really eroded their owner relationships on the ground, and and that's true as I say in Southeast Asia as much as it is here. Mm-hmm. So uh, having attended many of your events um, pre-COVID,
1: um, very much in the in, in the top one or two, you'd normally talk about OTAs. That seems to have gone down the agenda. Is is, is that true? Is that a fair comment, do you think?
0: I think it is. I mean, you know, one of the reasons we talked about OTAs quite a lot is that OTAs were actually having active owner relationship teams and reaching out. And as far as I'm aware, both the big ones have basically closed that initiative down Mm. and have decided to go through the brands uh, much more. They'll they'll probably disagree with that, but they they don't have dedicated owner teams coming to our events and and you don't really see them at the other events either. So I think that's gone into the back burner a bit. Uh, Again I think there's a very interesting conflict of interest that the industry doesn't talk about, which is what we discovered surveying our members is that some of the brands have got OTA commissions down to single digits not in many cases but certainly down to low double digits in quite a few cases and the problem with that is that by the time you get a loyalty booking which is what the brands want the hotels to have with a say a five percent discount on the on on the, the room night price and a five percent or four percent loyalty program fee and the brand's gds and potentially upgrades and early check-ins and whatever at some point that's more expensive to the owner than, than an ota booking at 12 percent or 10 percent so then the brands have a conflict of interest because they're trying to sell to the owners will you you know come in with us and we'll get you a great deal with the OTA but their ability to push that great deal any further is is actually very much circumscribed by the fact that they may actually do themselves out of business so <laughs> it's 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 really a challenge and, and nobody really talks about it
1: right so it's about containment really rather than replacement and and to be fair i think most of the conversations i have with the brands they, they take that that view as well uh, I, I think for one or two of them um they were very much uh, frightened about otas coming and, and dominating um the share um of of guests um that, that they're very much pulled back from that and i think they feel much more comfortable with where they're at now i mean there's still a few properties where they feel a bit more exposed i think but but gradually i mean what's remarkable about this recovery I think is just how much we've seen the OTAs on the back foot despite in many ways you think well actually this is a leisure led recovery and it's always been leisure where the OTAs have had strength um, but they've not actually been able to exercise that strength in in terms of their their share they're taking uh, from the global majors this time around.
0: Yeah, that is bizarre, and obviously the the whole redemption side of it, and the fact that the big brand companies are now getting into leisure much more heavily, largely to to you know to, to satisfy that need for point redemptions, uh, it, that has changed the, the playing field a bit. And I mean, you look at the deal. I didn't get a lot of discussion, but you know, IHG teaming up with Iberostar. Um, you know, to have masses of redemption product in very nice resorts around the Caribbean and, and, and the Spain and the Canaries mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, you know, and, and there's been another side which we, we talked about at AHIS a bit, which is that the big Spanish brands, which have been very wholesaler-led, have realized that the Americans have basically eaten their lunch on the FIT market. And so more and more, you're seeing those big wholesale brands I mean, I'm talking about the the big Spanish family companies teaming up with American brands for for the FIT business with a franchise. So, you know, that's another whole scenario. And where does that go in, in, in the Indian Ocean? Um, you know, our, our local companies in, in, in this region are also going to start saying, you know what, we can operate far more tightly than, than the big global majors who don't really you know, focus on the bottom line to the extent we do. But hey, we just can't get the we can't get the room nights. So let's do a franchise. And I think you're going to see probably more of that structure of deal
1: interesting there's a lot to play for there
0: i think and indeed I, i'm moderating one of the sessions
1: on um uh, the session i'm moderating at uh Geohiss is about the loyalty and redemption mm-hmm. so that that's something that should should be good fun um simon just tell us where uh, listeners can find a bit more about the events okay
0: so the website is geohist uh, on there you can see the speakers you can see the program you can buy a ticket and you can book uh, reduced accommodation with our partner hotels as well
1: that sounds terrific i'll see Twi- you there,
0: 27th simon. and 28th of february
1: oh indeed yes we In need Abu to that. At at the end, end of the Antara month
0: eastern mangroves yep. yeah <laughs> yeah
1: super well I'll look forward to seeing you there
0: simon all right you too andrew thanks very much thank you all bye for now Cheers. Bye.